Hey kids, welcome to another fucking horror podcast. I'm your host, Monique Sanchez. I'm your co-host, Amy Graydon. Welcome. Welcome. We, we look to see another day. I know. <laughs> Shocking, but yes, we're here. Against all odds. Against all odds. I love it. You know I want to talk about fucking seduced again because we finally watched the episode and now I now I have the full and complete picture yes. of Keith Rainieri. And what a colossal piece of shit he is. He's a colossal piece of shit. I really I somehow didn't think it could get worse. Yeah. I was like, but you can't say anything else crazier than what he's already said. And he saw he somehow did it. My favorite was when he he described himself as a victim oh. after berating everyone and saying that that wasn't a real thing. That being a victim is just all in your head. The audacity of this bitch. The audacity. Mm -hmm. You're the victim now? Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. He's a real piece of work, Mm -hmm. as they say. Mm -hmm. And he will never get out. 120 years, baby. 120 years. Fuck yeah. That's fucking crazy. The other thing that got me so much was he wanted it to be their idea to be branded. Yeah. He's like, no, no, they, they need to suggest it. They need to ask to be branded. But because it's an honor. Because I know what I'm doing is criminal and they're going to come after me. So if I can yes. have it on record that they said, please, master, would you brand me? It would be an honor or whatever the fuck. That's then spot it, on, actually. That you, you know, and then it would, it would remove any sort of liability on him. Then so, he's fine, free and clear. Except you've recorded fucking everything. So there's a recording of you saying, hey, you know what? It'd be really great if they asked for it and it didn't seem like it was coming from me, even mm-hmm. though it's very obviously coming from me. Never leave a paper trail <sighs> or an <Yeah>. audio trail. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to use these recordings one day to... <laughs> I mean, we can't run for office. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Never, never. I'm not going to be part of a PTA meeting, obviously. (laughs) There are way, way too many skeletons. I... Don't blame it on the skeletons. (laughs) (laughs) This time it would be the skeletons' fault. They're not... (laughs) They want the skeletons to stay in the closet. They're They're not bringing my skeletons up. I, a couple days ago, saw this movie on... That's currently on Hulu called The Lodge. Phenomenal. Is it? Is it a show? No, it's a movie... And it's a in the horror genre. Amazing. It's fucking phenomenal. Is it? Yes. Do you want to tell me more about it or do you want to not spoil it and have me watch it? I don't really want to spoil it. I watched it not knowing anything. And there's twists, there's turns, and you just don't really know what's happening for oh, a lot of it. And when sounds... you think you do, it's like, no, just kidding. That's not what's <gasps> happening. It's fucking phenomenal. I would love to get your feedback on it. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's in, I think it's two hours. I can stay with It's that. a really great atmospheric horror. Ooh, it's, I love that. Yeah. I haven't been really watching horror movies lately, mm-hmm. but my mom sent me the trailer for Freaky, which... I saw that. It, looks, it has a great rating. It looks really good. I'm not going to lie. When I watched the Freaky for it, I was like, that's actually a really clever twist yeah. on like an the old... The Freaky Friday. Yeah, an yeah. old classic, an old cliche. Yeah. So yeah, it's Freaky Friday, but basically it's the teenage girl switches bodies with the serial killer. Yeah. And then he's in her body wreaking havoc, and she's in his body trying to get her friends to believe that she's not it's actually a serial killer. Vince Vaughn, no? Vince Vaughn. Yes. Yeah, I'm into it. It looks really, it looks really good. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, because it dropped this week. Yeah, on the thirteenth, Friday, oh, Friday, Friday the thirteenth yes. happened, kids. Yes. I don't. Really, I'm not really that superstitious about. I like Friday the thirteenth in that it gives me an excuse to do something spooky. It's Friday the thirteenth. This it doesn't Friday happen the, every fucking Friday. No. Like, this is a big deal. 
No, exactly. Yeah. Where did that even come from, the Friday 13th thing? I actually just read a thing. Did you? I was like, I should look this up and I should recently, know, but I don't at all. Supposedly. Okay. It actually wasn't unlucky originally. Oh. And it had to do with women and... Typical. Typical. Oh, every time. They can't fucking handle can't. it. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. This is... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. From what I understand, the number 13 had to do with women who were midwives and like more holistic and all of like the womanly powers. Interesting. Because realistically, like those are the women who were like hanged in the Salem witch trials were, yes. were the witches, quote unquote, but it was really like the women doing the holistic medicines and things just like trying to that. Help people. So it was, it got perverted into 13th being a bad thing as a like going against what I, I'm okay. definitely bastardizing what this is. Just paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing yes. it and just explaining it incredibly poorly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let me, let me, let's just take a little, a little act break right now. Let me tell you, starting a podcast and listening to yourself is humbling as fuck. <laughs> you become so hyper aware of every fuck up. And here's the thing, right out, like automatically, no one is ever listening to their voice and are like, fuck, I sound amazing. I sound great. Yeah. Like, you know, and you hear it when you call like your mom's voicemail and it's like, you're, I'm sorry, you're leaving a voicemail for Janet. You know, like, no one... <laughs> it's not like that episode of Friends where Phoebe gets signed to a record label and then she's... Smell she, a cat and she then does they... The smell a cat video. It's not her voice. And it sounds amazing. Yeah, everyone... I no was so good. Yeah, no one is Phoebe Buffay no. when they hear their voice. No. So this is incredibly humbling this whole experience because we have to listen back to yes. this to edit this and whatnot. So <laughs> the whole time you're like, don't say, um, don't say like, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. focus so, on your train of thought. When I listen back to this later to hear the bumbling idiot that I sound like trying to explain the origins of Friday the 13th, I'm just going to drink till I don't feel feelings anymore. <laughs> so just be aware that I'm aware of what just happened. <laughs> We know. There's no one who's going to be harsher on us than us. Exactly. The amount of things I've cut just because I was like, I didn't even say that right. I said obitu obituaries wrong last episode, and I just fucking cut it because I was like, I, I couldn't even say it now. You did. That was not obituaries. too bad. Obituaries. I don't, it sounded like obituaries. I don't know. But that sounds fine to me. I, I get know. so hung up on it and be like, that's, I'm not saying it right. I got multiple texts about how I wasn't pronouncing paranormal incorrectly. I didn't hear it. I told you. Yeah. Another thing that I realized upon, <laughs> <laughs> upon listening to the last episode is Amy mentioned that supposedly she makes sex noises, which she interprets to sound like sex noises when she's shocked. <laughs> Now, apparently, as I have found out listening to our episodes, <laughs> how I sound like when I'm shocked and appalled is like I'm taking a dump <laughs> or in labor. And this is really where this being a visual medium would really help. Really help, yeah. As opposed to just hearing grunts and groans. <laughs> and just like uncomfortable, like misery okay, noises. I think everyone would prefer your sex noises to my friends and girls. Our reactions are so visceral sometimes. Yeah. Like you just can't keep it inside. It's not our fault. These people are it's terrible. too much for you. <laughs> it's too much. Yes. I have to react. 
Yeah. I have to react. Uh, again, sex noise right there. I just, every noise now. It's I, a it, sigh. <laughs> How are you supposed to sigh? Like the, <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no good answer for this. I also say yes, just the word yes all the time. I'm just constantly agreeing. I'm a constantly yes woman. If anyone decided to make that a drinking game, please don't. You might die by the midway through an episode. It's it's a lot. I, I hung out with my best friend from back home and her fiance recently, and they decided to play a drinking game without my knowledge about me. No. Yes, of the word correct. You say it all the time. I say it. <laughs> All of the time. So they were at four shots and my bestie was like, no, babe, I'm going to fucking be sick. And I didn't know what was happening. Oh my God. And then they clued me in. That's actually great. Yes. <laughs> I kind of love it. They clued me in. And <laughs> she was saying when they were, when they were first watching Shit's Creek, there's an episode where if you haven't seen Shit's Creek, I would say you'd stop this podcast and watch Shit's Creek because it's just incredible. It's six seasons. It's amazing. You're going to cry a lot. You're going to feel a lot. But it's like good tears. It's not like the world is terrible tears. It's wonderful. Everyone in it is a delight. Yes. It's wonderful. It deserved all of the awards. Yes. It It deserved the sweep, for sure. So Dan Levy, who wrote and created and directed a lot of the episodes and plays David Rose, there's an episode where he's in his store, Rose Apothecary, with his partner, Patrick, and their friend, Stevie. And they're talking about how David can't compromise. And he gets into a whole thing about how certain things look correct and certain things are not correct. And my bestie, when she was watching this with her fiance, she told me that he, she said, Monique says this all of the time. So, yes. <laughs> it's very true. I had a little list going at one point of all of the phrases we use over and over if anyone wanted to start a drinking game for this. Correct, 10,000%. Correct, 10,000%. I describe... Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I, I tell people to settle down a lot. It's something I like. Phenomenal. I typically describe things as phenomenal all the time. Absolutely. Relax. We tell people to relax. Well, a lot. oxygen <laughs> needed to fucking relax because Adolfo Constanzo, come on, yeah. relax. <laughs> I got so many texts afterwards being like, no, like for real, they needed to relax. relax about that. Like <laughs> exactly. And this guy, I said. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to make this a drinking game, super easy. Just don't. We're again. also not liable for any of your medical bills. Yeah, yeah. If you get alcohol poisoning, that's that's on you. Sorry. I'm sure that's one too, for sure. I am. <laughs> I am going to apologize. I basically immediately in episode three, <laughs> when I it's brought up that people might not have seen Poltergeist told everyone to go fuck themselves, which was a lot. That was a little bit of an overreaction. I I don't even know who to blame for that one. That's how passionate you are about the movie That's Poltergeist. That's so passionate about it. Go fuck yourself if you haven't seen it. I blame the parents. <laughs> Terrible parenting. <laughs> Real talk. Terrible parenting. I mean, it's usually the parents. It's usually the parents. I didn't... My parents didn't show me Poltergeist, but we had HBO and they didn't monitor Ooh. it. So oh, it's like the they showed it to Best. Me. That's the best. Yeah. That's all right. My parents showed me The Shining. Fuck yeah. Not remembering. It was one of those, like, it had been years since they'd seen it, and they didn't remember a bunch of fucking shit that happened in it, and then they showed it to me, and I literally, the part where all the blood comes out of the elevators, got up and fucking walked away and was like, I cannot believe you guys. It was the year we were going to stop trick-or-treating and we were going to start 
making our Halloween thing, we just like watch a scary movie and we do a thing as a family together. How old were you around this when this happened? Oh my god, I want to say I was probably like nine or ten. Maybe. Holy fuck! I may, might have been a little older than that. I don't really. That's think That's an intense been. movie. It was a, it, and I was a very like I cried in every single movie as a kid until I like forced myself to stop. I literally would like manacle grip the fucking armrest in movie theaters and be like, "Don't you cry? Don't you do it? Like you can make it through one movie without crying." I was such. A they didn't read the room, Diana. They did not. You did not read the room, <laughs> they did girl. Not read the room. So yes, I was very very traumatized by The Shining growing up. I like it now. I. I honestly can't. Because you're not stand. nine. Yeah, I can't stand Shelley Duvall's character personally, but yeah, it's tough. But I do enjoy that movie. Other than that, yeah, I I'd seen The Shining around that age, and I remember, yeah, because around that age was when, at least I was around that age when when the show Rocco's Modern Life oh, was a thing. I fucking love that show because oh, it's incredible. So good. Also, not actually a children's show. Oh no, I At, feel like. All of those All, shows that yes. we grew up on were kind of more and adult than they... There is an episode that is a total homage to The Shining. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person my age who's getting these this. references. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there's an episode in Rocco's Modern Life where he gets a day job as a phone sex operator. Yes. I don't remember and like, this at all. Oh, baby. Oh, <laughs> baby. I remember, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Like, Turn that's, the page. Yeah. Wash your hands. <laughs> Yeah, and they used to play a game called Spank the Monkey. Oh my god, which is a euphemism for jerking off. So, yeah. oh my god. So, it's so I appropriate, did, but it was yeah. pretty fantastic. It was pretty fantastic. Check that shit out. I think it's on Netflix. I if it so. is, I didn't realize. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I feel like Ren and Stimpy was kind of like that, too. It was it very reminded, like that. Yeah. It, yeah. I couldn't even watch shows. Ren and Stimpy a lot of the time because it was too Graphic. gross. Yeah, it was yeah. too too much gross. And the, the fart character... And they would just like zoom in yes, on like on the, the veiny, pimply, yes, whatever the fuck. like crusty Oof. fucking pus. It was a lot. Children's cartoons in the 90s. Exactly. Like, <laughs> there were no fucking rules. Man, just kids these days. Reddit to be might even have been before that. I don't even know no, when I that came out. I think it was like early mid-90s. Early 90s? Early mid, like 94. I feel like everyone was still kind of on a cocaine kick from the 80s at that point, And they were like, sure. like yeah, let's get this done. <laughs> he's a wallaby in front of the tortoise. He's got a cow. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, yeah, red light that shit. I mean, green light. It. He's wearing green light. The shirt. opposite. <laughs> Yellow light it. We're not sure. We don't know. Tip the toe in. <laughs> Does that make sense? Dip the toe in? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Just like tip it right over. Right I in the water. I am going to obsess over that for the next week. If I'm going to be nice to myself, it'll be a week. It's tough. It's like, this here's the thing. We can cut it all out. We're doing this to ourselves. We're doing this to ourselves. <laughs> Every time. Tip the toe in. Tip the toe you know in. what? I like an alliteration. That's you do. Why. I really enjoy an alliteration. I was in a, in a show that was highly improvised, and there was one actor who would do a joke every night that was an alliteration joke, and there was always one guffaw every night knows from me that they ended up cutting the joke and it was one of my favorite jokes in <laughs> no. the entire show because literally none of the audience got the alliteration joke uh, I like hate everyone that's disappointing it is that's why I have no faith in humanity exactly it's fine mm-hmm. do you have corrections for last episode? no other than I'm just horrified at myself and my speech patterns and I'm sure if my voice for the actor teacher from college listened she would be horrified as well I'm sorry Alona <laughs> but uh I'm sure she'd forgive you. 
<laughs> Here's the thing. I, I feel like we can only go up from here because now we're learning from our mistakes. Yeah. We're adjusting. We're trying to get better. It's a, it's a thin line between bettering yourself and being perfect where you remove the personality. Yes. Yeah. I kind of felt like I did that last time. I like read just like off my paper and I was like, I like missed all of the personality of mm-hmm. actually just telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. I felt a little cold last episode. Yeah. I'll say that. If anyone felt like that, I understand. It's because she started it with telling you to fuck yourself. And, and, then, and then I got in my head. I felt really bad. I was like, <laughs> damn it. Everyone's going to go fuck themselves and they're going to blame me. <sighs> I meant it in the fun way. Like the, go fuck yourself. Hey. Or like, just go to your room. You know, rub one out. <laughs> Come on back. We're here, guys. And <laughs> always press that pause button. Zero judgments. Literally zero. What is that? Uh, Woody yours. Allen is uh, masturbating as sex with someone you love. You know? Oh. There you go. He's gross. But... I was like, I don't like Woody Allen particularly, but. Why? Is it the, the child rape? Yeah, that's really, where, that's really where I got weird about it, honestly. Yeah. Also, I just like, I feel like everyone thinks he's. A genius. That like, yeah, or like adorably quirky and neurotic, and I just like it. No, he's a child rapist. So he was with Mia Farrow when all that shit went down. Yeah. And Mia Farrow, I don't believe was married to, but was definitely heavily involved with Frank Sinatra at some point. Okay. And apparently, after that shit went down, Frank called her up and was like, "Do you want me to take care of this?" Oh. Which if that's that a doesn't man. flood my I was gonna say, I think I need a minute. That was yeah. like I need to wipe my seat. Like, yeah, that shit. I know, like I don't condone violence or whatever, but like kind of hot. That's the hottest. You don't. They don't make them like that anymore. They don't. A good Italian boy is willing to kill a man for being at least like break his legs for like <sighs> raping your adopted daughter. Daughter. Yeah. And then marrying her. Yeah. Yeah. They don't make them like that anymore. They don't. Mm. I am also one of those people that typically things that I know he's not universally loved, but I feel like a lot of things, especially movies that are, I don't, I can't stand for some reason. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is one of those movies for me. Oh, I love it. I do not, I, I love it. He's the fucking worst. See, here's the thing. He's awful. He is not a good person. He has no redeeming qualities. He might actually be a sociopath. He kind of displays all of the fucking signs for being a sociopath. 10,000% correct. The thing to me that's the most entertaining of all of it is Jennifer Grey's character. Okay, her and Charlie Sheen are the only redeeming part of that movie for me. Like, (laughs) she's great, he's great. Well, the thing is... The rest of the movie, I I fucking can't stand it, honestly. The the thing about Jennifer Grey's character that kills me is she spends the entire day being like, he gets away with everything, he gets to ditch school, and everyone else has to go. She's ditched ditched all of school to catch him ditching school. Yes. And I'm like, mm, you could have just enjoyed your day off instead of like dealing with chasing your brother down. Paris. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's what that's right. Also the eighties very much rewarded bad behavior. Yeah. I just feel like I don't, I've really never talked to anybody who didn't like that movie. Everyone's like, Oh my God, it's so fun and funny and like lighthearted. And I'm like, is it though? So I shouldn't wear my Abe Froman Sausage King Chicago shirt I absolutely have an Abe Froman Sausage King Chicago shirt. And whenever I go to Chicago, you're goddamn right. I bring it and I wear yes, it. Yes. Does anyone clock it? No, no, they don't. It's a secret for it's me. They're self-absorbed. It's fine. Yeah. No, I realize I'm in the minority and I'm a fucking weirdo for not liking this movie. So You're not saying anything wrong, though. He absolutely is a psychopath. I don't really care for Forrest Gump. <gasps> Oh. Again, everyone loves that movie. I don't like Great it. Soundtrack. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't do anything for me. 
that whole like the Bubba and Forrest when Bubba's like, why is this happening? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I I feel bad. I don't know. There's something wrong with me. We've Did established, it but deserve to win over Shawshank? No, no, it didn't deserve to win. It's fine. I know it's an unpopular opinion. I'm not, you know, I stand by it, but. It's not nearly as, as good of a movie as everyone has decided it is. However, completely, I completely agree with that. I do love it. And this was in that six, seven year period where Tom Hanks was just knocking Cranking it out, out of the yes. fucking park. It was a league of their own, Philadelphia. <sighs> Cranking yeah. it out. Green Mile, is that that time period too? Or I no? think Green Mile's a little later, but that's fucking phenomenal yeah. as well. Like Apollo 13 Team, is in this. Yeah. He was, I mean, a fucking national treasure. And anyone who says otherwise, they can fuck themselves. Yes. You don't have to fuck yourself if you didn't see Poltergeist, but you do have to fuck <laughs> yourself if you have a problem with Tom Hanks. Notarize that shit because it's official. That's true. Yes. I always am afraid to like like anybody in this because you never know what's gonna come out about somebody after the fact. And I'm just like, please never take Tom Hanks from us. Like no. I need, I need faith in humanity. Like I need one person. My friend, at least. my friend is dating this guy whose father is an acting legend. So they have access to you know backstage and whatever. Yes. And several years ago, Tom Hanks was performing in a Nora Ephron play on Broadway. And they got to go backstage and he, and my friend was like, he's just, everything you see is what he is. Oh, he's such a delight. That's he was so, so nice sweet. To hear. And that he's the one who will volunteer the picture because he knows that you probably like don't feel weird ask, about it. Yeah. You're like, hey, do you want to take a picture? Oh my God. That's like, so sweet. Okay. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, several years ago he was walking through Central Park and there was a couple that was doing their engagement pictures and he walked through them. And he was just like, hey, what's up? And was just, like, can you imagine I would Tom fucking Hanks in your engagement pictures? Oh my God. I would never get divorced. Just because I'd be like, Tom Hanks, he like, approved this, this fucking marriage. You can't leave me ever. Exactly. This is, the gods have smiled on us and on this union. I described Nicolas Cage as a national treasure. That was an exaggeration. Tom Hanks is actually He's a, a global treasure. treasure. He is a global treasure. We don't treasure. deserve him. But he's definitive proof that there's a God and he's good and he loves us. I like that. I'm going to take that with me to bed tonight. It's You're going to tuck me in and it's going to make me... And it's going to be Tom Hanks tucking you oh, in. Because when you, saw, really nice. when you saw that there was only one set of footprints in the sand, it was Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks who carried, carried you. <laughs> Monique, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Guys, this podcast just became super emotional. I know. <laughs> And it's going to now become a Tom Hanks podcast <laughs> exclusively. Another fucking Tom Hanks podcast. Jesus. We don't have enough of them. There's not enough of them. No. If anyone is looking for podcast ideas, please, please. Do just a Tom Hanks do one. Do a Tom Hanks one. Just and just tag us in it so that we can listen to it because it no, sounds amazing. No credit needed. Like, I'm happy to rate, review, and subscribe. Like, yeah. fucking I'm get it, it done. <laughs> get it done. A couple of things I looked up because we had questions about them yeah. from last episode that I will bring up. One, we did not know what the audience of a courtroom was called. Was which it the is gallery? Called the gallery, yes. Yeah. And audience would be a term in and of itself in that you have an audience with the judge. Yes. So yes. you're being heard by the judge. Correct. And then I looked up for the Russian funeral practices. Uh-huh. 
which I could not find a lot, but I did find... Frenching a dead girl wasn't one of them? Frenching a dead girl was not one of them, Shocking. but I did find it interesting. There are apparently four types of funerals. One for a man, which is the most elaborate. Oh, of course. Shocking. Okay. One for a married woman, which is the least elaborate. Again. Go fuck yourself. Kind of, kind of dick. For an unmarried woman, essentially a wedding ceremony. Oh, literally so this says is legit. In, literally says in parentheses, and this is from an article, uh, Contemporary Urban Russian Funerals, Continuity and Change from journals.ku.edu. That is so fucked. It didn't go into more. So he more. probably didn't lie. He, he might not have. So That's it's, so And fucked. then it says the fourth one is for children. I mean, she was 11, but I would feel like... Oh, they don't give a fuck in Russia. Yeah, it's like you're kind of on the cusp of womanhood at that point. I, like, I, there's girls who are 11 who've had their periods, I'm sure. Yeah. I went to Russia with my family when I was 14. Did you really? I did. On a How cruise. How was that? On a cruise? It was jarring. Uh, yeah. You know, it, so this was like... 1999. From what I understand, the situation has gotten much better, which good. Yes. Uh, it was very jarring. It was very sad and depressing. But something that was also incredibly jarring is you may not know it from the raging lush that I am now, but I didn't start drinking till I was like 18, 19. Okay. And when I would drink, it was Bacardi Silver, oh. which I don't even know. Do they make that anymore? I don't believe they do. And Probably for those of it was poison. No, not even. Because for those of you who don't know what the magic of Bacardi Silver was, it was basically a less carbonated Smirnoff ice. That's what I was drinking. That's what I was like, picturing in my head, and I mistook the two. For actual the ice challenge. Yes, yes. 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 Uh, so I so I didn't really start drinking alcohol, alcohol until 20? And it was That's like... kind of unusual for this yeah, age, I would say, yeah. Exactly. And it was like a vodka cranberry or like... A, I mean... Oh, an amaretto sour. Ooh. Oh, I loved an amaretto sour. I Fuck. used to fucking white Russians, dude. Oof. That, but that wouldn't so curdle? Ugh, girl. <laughs> the reason I don't drink white Russians anymore is because I had one bad one. It just takes one. One fucking time. Just takes one. I, the worst part was... The bartender, it was like my local bar, felt so fucking bad and obviously immediately ran out, bought a fresh gallon of milk, immediately made me another one, and she handed it to me, and all I could the do was done. say, I never want to drink one of these ever again, and I genuinely haven't. It's yeah. been probably seven years since Oof. I drank white Russian. But, so I went to Russia with my parents, and uh, I have two brothers, I'm the middle child, and the only girl, damage runs deep. <laughs> it's funny because it's true the struggle is um, real so we went to go to this restaurant and my younger brother was 11 I was turning 15 my older brother was 17 and we go to a restaurant and my dad orders coca-colas for the kids the server goes no soda for him pointing to my younger brother vodka and <gasps> champagne for the other two I'm sorry mixed no, either or. Okay, thank God. I but was like, that sounds god-awful. I was not allowed to have a Coca-Cola in Russia. I had to have you had vodka to drink champagne. or champagne. Damn, Russia doesn't fuck around. They don't, I, I mean, realize. that, out, but the alcoholism rate is like out of control. They're like 13-year-olds who are fucking alcoholics in Russia. Honestly, I it's couldn't also handle either stuff. of those. That's true, so that keeps so you warm. gotta keep you warm. Oh, I and have... And the cigarette smoking is really, in Europe, is really... Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sure. I have, on several occasions, stopped into a bar just to pound, like, three shots just to make it through the fucking New York streets when the wind is blowing in the middle of the winter. I just... 
I wish I was that person. Like, I am so envious of a woman going to a bar and being like, makers up. Fuck, I wish oh. I was that cool. I wish I was that cool to be like, yeah, I'll have like a scotch. Or that, like, no, fucking fuck. Scotch is gross. No, I, it is gross, but it's like sexy. Like, I, yeah. me rolling into a bar being like, could I have an apple martini, please? Yeah. Like, I feel like an asshole. I usually just say tequila neat. I, I'm envious of that. I can't do that shit. I hate tequila. I'm a basic bitch. Well, here's the thing. I learned you have to say tequila neat because then you sound classy. And, and then like lick drink. your lips and rub your nipples. <laughs> I'm not doing Monique. I'm not doing that. She's totally making that up. <laughs> no, no, that's how you do it or they don't give I, a shit. I've been in... Because <laughs> they're aroused. That's, that's how I get all my drinks, Monique. Johnny and I went into a bar one time and we asked for shots of tequila and... He said, we can't do shots. And then I looked behind the bar and I was like, well, there's obviously a bunch of fucking alcohol. And I, I said, so Johnny was like, wait, what? What do you mean you can't do that? And started to like go to argue with the guy. And I just like put his hand. I was like, can we have two tequilas neat instead? He was like, yeah, of course. We just can't just say the word shots because that implies we're going to be pounding them and getting rowdy. Yeah. Whereas if I order a tequila neat, I'm going to be sipping this tequila and enjoying my I heard drink. in the UK, shots are illegal. Really? Yeah. And when they make you a mixed drink like a vodka tonic, they have to measure it. Measure it. Yeah. All so right. all I mean, that's safe, really, because fucking, it's sure. so easy to overpour somebody and not realize, Absolutely. Like, yeah, maybe a little extra. But all of this stuff of like, Europeans being like pounding their liquor and like Americans no, are bullshit. No. They're but, professionals about it. I yeah. we we're reckless. Yeah, absolutely. My there I have there's this uh, comedian that I love, Daniel Sloss. He's Scottish. Amazing. He's amazing. And check out his specials on Netflix. They're incredible. I think everyone in the world should see Jake yes. Sloss. It's incredible. She recommended it to me and it is phenomenal. Lived up to the hype. It's incredible. And he will do that Scottish thing where he's like bullshit Americans, whatever, and they're drinking. And he'd be like, just kidding, the three times I ever blacked out, I was in the States. Because <laughs> we go hard. We don't care if you black out. <laughs> He's, he does the whole thing being like, I don't understand tipping really. So I'll give bartender a couple of dollars for a drink as a tip. And everyone in the States is so underpaid that they get excited. So then they give you more alcohol yes. with less of a mixer because they're happy. And you're like, no, 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 I don't need that. And then they give you free shots. And then you blacked out I'm like yeah that's a uh, that's the average yeah that's what going out experience in the united states sounds about right i mean i can't remember technically but yeah that, that's <laughs> exactly vaguely familiar yeah, yeah. <laughs> good shit good shit uh anything else i don't know i'm thinking of all the times i blacked out in new york i'm actually thinking of all the times i had to drunkenly run for a train oh have you ever done that because there was like the last one out and you had to catch it I live a very privileged life where I can usually walk to yeah, that's nice. where I live. Yeah, I used to live in the Bronx and you had to take, yeah, I'd have to catch the yeah. Metro North, which stopped at a certain time. Oof. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's, yeah. No, no. Several times it was one of those where we were out drinking and we lost track of time and looked down and went, oh, fuck, the train's in like five minutes and we are blocks away. We have to just haul ass. I did, when I went to school in Long Island, I did miss the drunk train once and was stranded in Penn Station for two hours uh, because it's like a three to five. Yeah. And it was weird because I was on like a faux date with oh, someone. No. He, I think he was under the impression it was a date. I was very vehement that it wasn't a date, but we went to go see a comedy show, which was incredible. It was Dave Attell, oh Lewis God. Black, 
and Mitch Hedberg, R.I.P. Ah! You saw Mitch Hedberg? Yeah. I've seen him twice. And the second time I saw him was like three months before he died, and it was not a good situation. But no. this one, it was... It, yeah, it was... Dave Attell and Louis Black were headlining, and Mitch Hedberg was. was That's amazing. Opening. It was incredible. I'm I'm a, I'm more than slightly jealous, but also so happy for you. That's really yeah, awesome. Yeah. So it was in the city, obviously. None of that cool shit's happening in Long Island. Some shit happened that we missed the drunk train, and we were stranded Fuck. for two hours in Penn Station. And I remember this dude frantically calling his mom to be like, "I'm not gonna be back till like six in the morning, uh, five in the morning." Yeah. Brutal. You know, if I'm back at six in the morning, no one gives a fuck. I don't answer anybody. No. It's pretty rad. I, that's the best part about being an adult is I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want, go to bars. I can yeah. watch whatever I want on TV. The A number one thing for me about being an adult is I get to touch things in the stores. <gasps> I don't know if you had a parent who wouldn't let you touch anything in the store, but now I like fucking touch everything. Pick this up, look at it, turn this over. I don't know. Everything is mine. Maybe I'll put on this scarf. Maybe I won't. I don't fucking know. I can do whatever the The fuck I want. The store is mine. I'm an adult. It's the little things, really. Absolutely. That's so fucking funny. I was not really restricted from touching things in the store that much. It was encouraged not to, but I wouldn't get... Cubans put the fear of God into your heart. Oh, yeah. For sure. No, I wouldn't want any part of that. I had like fun, lax, nice parents. That sounds so... They had their that own. Must be nice. Yeah, I know, right? I was like, I feel like I'm bragging now. I was like, they're. I was like, they have their own quirks. Everyone's fucked up by their families in different ways. Sure. I feel like even people who have like a really nice home life. Yeah. Weirdly, get fucked up about that when they yeah, go out in the real world and they realize like, oh, not everyone's family is like this, and like, not every guy will treat me like my wonderful father treats my wonderful mother. Exactly. And they're like, wait, I thought this was like how everything was. How everyone operated. No, not at all. I do have to say about your story last week, your last murder was the craziest murder and I had literally zero reaction to it and I don't know why. Wait, which one? Perryman was like the guy who- He got fucking randomly axed in his house. Yes. Yeah. I, in listening to it back, I was like, wait, where's my reaction? And I like paused and around and listened to it again. I was like, I didn't say a goddamn word word because I don't I was, was on the so floor. is that what happened I didn't remember but I nuts. didn't say anything and that was the craziest that he like helped this guy yeah and the guy just fucking ended up hacking him to pieces and murdering him this is why I don't help people so scary so yeah I felt bad that I in listening to it back I was like there was no reaction to that and that was legitimately the fucking craziest no, part of the story nuts. when I listened back to it I gave myself chills about the cicadas did you it got me again yeah if you've ever been around cicadas and you know how they behave, it they're is, loud as fuck and they don't shut up. And they don't up shut up for anything. anything. So the fact that they all went silent, like I am getting chills now just like talking about it again because it's yeah. actually really creepy. Yeah. That's why we do this. That's, That's why, why we do this. All this is the, why we all the, the chills, the chills and the thrills is why we this, do this. So that we could get the chills and the thrills. Oh my god. That was honestly one of the most enjoyable things about talking with you when we first met was that every single day something you said would give me full body chills and I'd be like, oh my god, I can't get over this. No other conversations that I have in my day-to-day life are giving me chills. The Monique Sanchez experience, (sighs) baby. Love it. (laughs) I love it. I live for this. Are you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Ready. All right, so I'm going to preface this with I'm going a little rogue, but bear with me. Okay. 
Getting into sources, before I go anywhere else, uh, Wikipedia, obviously, HowStuffWorks.com, NBC News, InsideSources.com, Wired.com, Guardian, Crack.com, The Scientific Paper, The Ghost in the Machine, which was published in the Journal of Society for Psychial Research Shit. in 1998, and a chapter in the book Lost Science by Jerry Vasilados, published 1999, from chapter 8. For the first part of my story, all of this information is going to come directly from the paper that was published in the Journal of the Society for Psychial Research. The paper is called The Ghost of the Machine, which should not be confused with the book by Arthur Hostler. Or apparently there is a movie yes. where like a serial killer has... Do you know this movie? I know I, of it. I have not seen it. I hadn't seen it. I had not even heard anything of it. And then I was, whatever, searching Clearly for this. Clearly a rousing success. Yes. And <laughs> I, I was like, okay, apparently there's also a movie. So all of this is coming from this Ghost of the Machine paper by Vic Tandy and Tony Lawrence. And the paper itself is written from Tandy's perspective. In it, he kind of, he refers to himself in third person because that's how you're supposed to present scientific articles. Mm. But most of this is from his actual account and it's him telling it. So this incident took place in the early 1980s. Vic Tandy was an engineering designer at the time and working for a company that designed and manufactured medical equipment. Mm. Because of this, there's always some equipment making noise in the lab where he worked. So when he began to hear rumors that the lab was haunted, he blamed it on that and thought nothing of it. One morning, Tandy arrived just as the cleaner was leaving. He said that she left looking obviously distressed, like, and I quote, she had seen something. I'm so obsessed with this already. Oh my God. <laughs> I might change your opinion on this later, but... <laughs> He made a note that all the equipment was turned off, despite that being his leading theory for the haunting, quote-unquote, but he chalked it up to something else, wild animals, moving pressure hoses, some sort of lighting effect. As time went on, Tandy began to notice a few other odd events. He describes feeling of depression, occasionally a cold shiver. And that's a direct quote from him. On one occasion, his co-worker, who was sitting at his desk, turned to say something to him, thinking Tandy was by his side and was extremely surprised to see him on the other end of the room. Everyone was becoming more uncomfortable, but they were also busy and didn't really pay it much mind. One night, Tandy was working alone, and as he sat at his desk, he began to feel increasingly uncomfortable. He was cold but sweating, and the feeling of depression was noticeable. He admitted that the deserted factory was spooky, that's how he described it, but claimed there was something else. Something was in the room with him, Get the and fuck he out. could feel it. Get the fuck out. There was no way anyone could have entered the building without him seeing. He looked around and even checked the gas and chemical bottles to be sure there wasn't a leak in the room that was maybe causing him to have these symptoms. Mm -hmm. Everything seemed fine, so he got up to get a cup of coffee, went back to his desk. As he was writing, he became aware that he was being watched. Shut the fuck up. And a up. figure slowly emerged <gasps> to his left. No. It was indistinct no. and on the periphery of his vision, but it moved as you would expect a person to. The apparition was gray and completely silent. Get the fuck out. <laughs> the hair on his neck stood up and there was a distinct chill in the room. Tandy said, it would not be unreasonable to suggest I was terrified. He was unable to see any detail and finally built up the courage to turn and face the thing. As he turned, the apparition faded and disappeared. Since there was absolutely no evidence to support what he had seen, he just shook it off and went home, thought nothing of it. Casual. Casual. The next day, Tandy had a fencing competition and needed... This is this is Britain. This should okay. make sense. I'm also then going to read a line that is includes some fencing jargon, which just sounds like made-up nonsense, but I'm not, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to explain fencing to anybody. 
The next day, Tandy had a fencing competition and needed to cut a thread onto the tang of a spare foil blade. Who doesn't? Yes, as one, <laughs> as one does when they fence. So that he could attach the handle. It was much easier to use the bench vise in the lab to hold the blade, so he went in early to cut the thread. It was only a five-minute job, so he put the blade in the vise and went in search of a drop of oil to help things along. When he returned, the free end of the blade was vibrating wildly up and down. Combining this with his experience from the previous night, and he once again felt an immediate twinge of fright. From this observation, Tandy developed the idea that infrasound might be present in the laboratory. So infrasound is a ultra low frequency sound below the audible range for humans. Uh -huh. So it's anything less than 20 hertz. Human audible range is 20 hertz to uh, 20 kilohertz. So basically it's a sound wave that can be felt but not heard. Further experimentation showed that the infrasound trapped in the laboratory was at its highest next to Tandy's desk, right where he had seen the ghost. Okay. After discussing the problem with the foreman, they realized the infrasound had come from a newly installed extractor fan. They switched off the fan and the vibrations went away. Tandy and his colleagues realized that they were sharing their lab with a low frequency standing wave and calculated the frequency to be about 19 hertz. The building was basically acting like a pipe would on an organ, and it was allowing the infrasonic wave to form. Their research led them to conclude that infrasound at or around a frequency of 19 hertz has a range of physiological effects, including feelings of fear and shivering. Though this had already been known for many years, Tandy and Lawrence were the first people to link it to ghostly sightings. Mm. Infrasound in this range is sometimes referred to as the ghost frequency. Mm -hmm. So in addition to feeling a dread, anxiety, and depression, the effects of low frequency vibration mostly affect the principal import ports, so your eyes, and principal out ports, meaning hands and mouth. Exposure to infrasound often results in temporary changes in various physiological parameters, such as heart rate. At the onset of exposure, increased muscle tension and hyperventilation has been observed. So there's a NASA technical report that mentions the resonant frequencies of your eyes are 18 hertz. So when you're getting bombarded by infrasound that's at 18 hertz, your eyes literally start vibrating, which causes you to have like a smearing of your vision. Shit. So it would not be unreasonable to see dark shadowy forms caused by something as innocent as the corner of his glasses because or like a speck 19. of dust. Yes. So he... But to the point that you're like seeing physical apparitions you, and shit? Yes, because Holy it's vibrating fuck. your eyes so you can't really focus properly. So any little thing or anything you're used to seeing in the corner of your eye, like the edge of your glasses or something like that, yeah. because your eye is vibrating, it's creating this smearing effect. So whatever that is seems much larger than it should be. So then you see it as a person out of your periphery because that's what you... And also your brain does that thing of like making a thing make sense to you. It's like this must be a person coming up on my right. the edge it of looks my vision like a thing. because I'm gonna fill in the blanks that this is a person. Yes. I think it's called matrixing. Oh, okay. Like how a lot of times people will say that they look in a dirty mirror and they see a face. And it's like, no, just the patterns your brain has filled in the blanks to be like, that's what a face looks like. Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to look at the tile in our bathroom. I can remember as a teenager and I would find all these like weird clown faces in the tile. And that was just like a weird game I played during the... That sounds horrifying. <laughs> it does sound really creepy now that I'm saying this story, but it <laughs> sounded so much more normal in my head. I looked for creepy clown faces in my shower. And, he, and here you are today. All <laughs> of that was leading you to this moment. And my mother never thought anything was wrong with me. Because she loves you. I still can't believe this. Or was in deep denial. <laughs> deep denial. 
So Tandy went on to investigate various haunted locations for the presence of infrasound, including the cellar of Coventry's Tourist Information Center, which was next to a cathedral, and Warwick Castle. In both cases, high levels of infrasound were present. Tandy also conducted large-scale experiments, including one experiment on 750 participants at London Royal Festival Hall. They played various musical pieces, some with infrasound, some without. The audience did not know which pieces included infrasound, but 22% reported more unusual experiences when it was present, including feeling uneasy or sorrowful, getting chills down the spine, or nervous feelings of revulsion or fear. Fuck. So I... this is just a frequency? Yes. It's a, in a range. So infrasound is basically from 0.1 hertz to up to 20 hertz. And that is below the audible range for your ears. So you physically cannot hear anything. You cannot detect mm -hmm. that there is any sound occurring. But all of these sound waves are still hitting your body and affecting your body. So you still feel all of this even though you can't hear anything. You just feel this sudden inexplicable sense of fear and dread and uncertainty. Dude, the world is a fucking crazy place. Crazy place. That this shit can just be happening to you and you're like, I'm losing my shit right now. Yes. Infrasound is fucking fascinating. The amount of natural things and animals that produce infrasound as well as man-made things. Very interesting. So I obviously outed myself. I have a chemistry degree. I was so I'm just going to yeah. say, I remember when Amy like said that she mastered in chemistry. I did not master. I'm sorry. <laughs> that I'm is sorry. way too generous. I have a <laughs> bachelor's has, degree. That she has a degree in chemistry and was trying to be super casual about it. Just like and, and then she fucking brings this fucking situation here and just trying to be like, yeah, so whatever, infrasound. <laughs> I, I, I like, will never not be impressed by this, ever. And there's nothing you could say to change my mind. Thank you. I have to be impressive now because now I have outed myself as a woman of science, so now I can't just be like, UFOs. I have to be like, okay, here is my skeptical, logical brain giving you reasons for why this is happening. Mm -hmm. Spooky science is what I'm calling it in my head. Okay. Some spooky science. Here are so many things that produce infrasound might blow your mind a little bit. Natural sources of infrasound include severe weather, surf, avalanches, earthquakes, volcanoes, waterfalls, meteors, and lightning. Animals who produce infrasound include whales, elephants, hippos, rhinos, giraffes, peacocks, alligators, and tigers. There are singers even, such as Tim Storms, who can produce notes in infrasound range. Is this... I did not major in chemistry, as I mentioned. I have a drama degree. <laughs> different so, types. So, different strokes for different folks. Exactly. That was what I was thinking. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> God damn my brain. So, if if anyone listening to this thinks I'm a fucking idiot for what I'm gonna say, just giving you the backstory. I'm an actor. <laughs> there are no stupid questions. We're learning, money. Thank you. Is this like a similar thing to, or maybe it's just I've always assumed it was barometric pressure. In that, for instance, I grew up in Miami Beach where hurricanes are a thing. So I don't know if this is, if I'm confusing this with barometric pressure, but whenever hurricanes would come, I had two cats and they would freak the fuck out in like the 24 to 36 hours leading up to it. Yes. Is this that type of situation? That, yes, definitely has a planet. Animals are very sensitive to infrasound and typically they evacuate before natural disasters right. because of this they can reason. Hear it. They can, yes, they sense it. 
I don't know because I guess it depends on what the animal. range of animal hearing is, and mm -hmm. I guess that varies depending on animal. But if they do have the capability to hear anything under 20 hertz, then yes, they can hear the infrasound. Otherwise, I'm assuming it, what happens to us happens to them. They start. They freak out. They freak out. They yeah. get the feeling of dread. You you don't feel well. You need to go. You're nauseous. Usually, it's anxiety. You feel like you're gonna have a panic attack, basically. Yeah because it's trying to get you to get the fuck out yeah. of there. It's a self-preservation, basically, yeah. which I find absolutely fascinating. Because it is. Some man-made sources that produce infrasound are sonic booms, explosions, chemical, and nuclear. Oh, shit. So we literally use infrasound in our detection of nuclear detonations. Oh, shit. Like, that is one of the main things we use to make sure that no one has... No one's doing some yes. crazy shit on the low. Yes. That, and we also use it for detecting tornadoes before they touch down. Infrasound is useful for that as well. Uh, machinery, such as diesel engines, wind turbines, and certain specialized loudspeaker designs also can produce infrasound. Here's a little excerpt for you that's just, you know, a little tidbit. So Walt Disney and his team of cartoonists slowed down a 60-cycle tone in a short cartoon to 12 hertz one time, and all of them became sick Holy for days fuck. afterwards. So this is like the brown note in South this, Park? Okay, I'm actually glad you know about that. I did not touch I've on that either like because four episodes. Yes. They so Mythbusters tries does a <laughs> Mythbusters does a brown note episode and they they debunk it. They say it's sure. you know, a myth, you can't really make you but apparently you do because it affects your intestines and get your bowels as well. Upset. So it does you make won't you won't shit yourself necessarily. Yes. People have reported like bowel spasms and stuff, so you got that feeling. Holy fuck. But I mean, from what I know, like you can't actually just make a noise and make somebody shit their pants. But yes, infrasound, the brown note is supposed to be in that range and is supposed to be. That's fucking wild. It's pretty crazy. Science is pretty fucking crazy sometimes. Science is fun, kids. That's, I love science. So the first time I ever heard about infrasound was on this show, Dark Matters, yeah. Twisted But True, which is where I learned about the guy who invented the lobotomy yeah. and all of my other weird shit. There's an episode, each episode they tell three little stories, so it's like one of the little stories in the episode. The story's called The Sound of Death. And most of this comes from the Lost Science book, chapter eight, Deadly Sounds. So one of the pioneers in infrasonic research was a French scientist named Vladimir Gavreau. And in 1957, he got a bunch of scientists together because he was working on developing robotic devices. While they're working, they all began to feel what they described as disorienting nausea. I found a few sources that said they also had a pain in their eardrum mm. to the point of possibly bleeding. Holy fuck. But I don't know how valid that point is. They were very nauseous though and like disoriented by it. Well, that's the ears. In your inner ear, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had these symptoms for weeks. They eventually call industrial examiners to investigate the building. All of them fell ill as well. They blamed pathogens and they literally called it a building sickness, but nothing was detected. They couldn't find anything. The symptoms continued to the point that they couldn't even do their research anymore. They felt so sick being Holy in the laboratory. Fuck. So finally, a complete building examination is ordered. They have to figure out what is causing this. So they realized the symptoms are lessened when they close certain windows. So they assumed that chemical gas emissions were responsible, but they couldn't find anything. No noxious fumes, nothing. And they couldn't detect it by any technical means. Finally, building engineers traced the source to an improperly installed motor-driven ventilator. 
believing that it was emitting noxious fumes. Again, nothing's detected. Eventually realize that the motor is actually loosely attached in this like cavernous stories high duct and it's causing the vibrations. Yes, these nauseating vibrations were just caused by the motor being improperly mounted and creating these vibrations all the way up this like ventilation so sheet, it's not it's vibrations duct. it's not even like a, a gas or a sound it's just vibrations no. it's shit. yeah because it's just a sound wave that's literally right. and yeah. because you can't hear it it's literally yeah wow so his team is using this thing that they have found the motor in the chute to measure the sound intensity and pitch and failed to register any acoustic readings so they didn't even believe the building engineers they're like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about Finally, they realized sound they were dealing with was so low in pitch that it was not registering on any of their microphonic detectors. Realizing they were dealing with infrasound or an ultra low frequency sound below 20 hertz, they began using the fan motor in the duct as their own infrasonic organ and experimenting with the effects at various levels and pitch. Gavro believed he had discovered a new and previously unknown weapon. He was like, this is amazing. We're going to fucking use this for the military and we're going to fuck people up with it. That's where this guy's head is at. Naturally. Yes. So literally he wants to develop some sort of infrasonic laser to use as a weapon. So they design a prototype using organ pipes, pistons, and compressed air. Is this like the, the gay ray? No. <laughs> do, do you know about this? I have heard about this. Yeah, that they were trying to come up with like a ray. To make you gay. To make you yes. gay. So as that if instead that's of a going to kill... No, but it was like you're like charging up the trench or whatever and like gonna kill the United States and we but hit then you with this. we hit you with it and then you just have to fuck each other because <laughs> the gays can't control themselves like what is the mentality behind this like you just hey, like hey spread love not war was <laughs> <laughs> it make love, make not, love war. not war god I'm such an asshole <laughs> so this is not the gay raid this is something else <laughs> this is not the gay raid the gay raid is 10,000% real like it didn't happen but they were trying to make it happen this oh yeah Oh yeah. Science. <laughs> Science, get back on that. What are you doing anymore? You know? Come on. <laughs> they tested the device on themselves and found the main resonant frequency of these pipes occurred in the range of death from three to seven hertz. When they finally built this prototype, they were like, hey, we did all these measurements in the other accidental pipe that we found. We're gonna make them lower because that seems like it's safer to test it out on the prototype, not realizing that making it lower was making it more, more dangerous. dangerous. They tested the device on themselves. Nothing could be heard, but they felt it almost immediately. Though the pipes were only operating for a few seconds, the pressure waves impacted the entire body in a terrible and inescapable grip. They felt a pressure that came from everywhere simultaneously. Next came the pain, a dull pressure against the eyes and ears. They continued operation of the device nearly destroyed the test building. Every pillar and joint of the massive structure moved. One of the technicians managed to ignore the pain enough to shut off the device. Holy shit. I will say this, but I'm immediately going to call bullshit. Several sources claimed that one of the team members died instantly. And I found a quote that even said his internal organs mashed into an amorphous jelly by the vibrations. Oh, I don't believe this. If this had happened, I feel like no one would have shut up about this. You would fucking hear about it yeah. all the fucking time. As far as I can find, nobody has ever been killed from infrasound. So don't anybody panic Okay, just yet. 
I don't know where this other source got this fucking propaganda, but it's a little bit of an exaggeration. Also, here's the thing. I'm totally an animal person, but if I thought that I built a machine that could kill somebody, mm -hmm. I would fucking put like a rat or a goat or fucking something in front of it day fucking one to be like, right. can I kill this goat with my giant sonic organ? Yeah, you have no problem testing mascara and shit on an animal, on but animals. you're gonna be like, you know, let's give them a pass on this one. Yeah. Also, I was like, they were like, historically, we have not given a fuck about animals. No. Also, it's like we technically tested this on ourselves and it made us feel horrible. Yeah, I'm gonna call bullshit on that one too. It's a little bullshit. I feel like you could have immediately, like, I, if I really wanted to find out if something died and I didn't, it's like 1957, so I feel like the ethics on science is still, is still really lax at this point. So yeah. I feel like nobody would have batted an eye if you fucking threw a rabbit over there or a fucking pig or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then do an autopsy on it and you would have so much more information, right? You're the chemistry major. I, as I'm <laughs> advocating me. to kill and study this animal, Gavro and his team were dangerously ill for days after the experiments. Like, it didn't go away, their eyesight was affected, they had painful spasms in their heart, lungs, and stomach, oh. and intestinal cavities. So all the resonant body cavities absorbed the self-destructive acoustic energy and would have been torn apart had the power not been extinguished at that precise moment. Holy shit. So they revised their calculations, resumed their research. He really wanted to make an infrasonic whistle this guy gavro similar to a policeman's whistle he was like this is the fucking like i got it i, I got it. it here's the idea that's going and then he couldn't figure out how to make it so that it wouldn't affect the person who used the whistle obviously because mm. you can't just blow the infrasound in one right direction you no, would have to have some to sort you, of though not to me <laughs> yeah exactly there's no patents it never went anywhere if you read anywhere that he successfully made this whistle no bullshit if it actually exists it would exist Here's a full list of the effects it has on your body. Reported effects include those on the inner ear, vertigo, imbalance, intolerable sensations, incapacitation, disorientation, nausea, vomiting, bowel spasms, and resonance in internal organs such as the heart. One more weird thing this is connected to, which is one of the most well-known unsolved mysteries, and it's probably Johnny's favorite unsolved mystery, <gasps> He's tried to get me to do it for the podcast several times. I'm always like, it's been done so many times. I don't know that I could do it. Is this the bloop or whatever? No. Oh, okay. This is Dilatop Pass. Oh, fuck yeah. So I will give literally the cliff notes of the cliff notes version of this. I'm not going to go into it because it's been done so many fucking times. It's crazy though. So in case you don't know, for some strange reason, the Dilatov Pass incident refers to the mysterious death of nine Russian hikers between February 1st and 2nd, 1959. After they set up camp sometime during the night, something caused them to cut their way out of their tents and flee the campsite barely dressed despite sub-zero temperatures, literally negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit. Like it was fucking freezing mm -hmm. and a storm. Six died from hypothermia, three died from fatal injuries that could not have been caused by a human, according to investigators. Yeah. One had a fractured skull and the other two had major chest fractures. All three of the injuries would have required incredible force comparable to that of a car crash. However, strangely, the bodies had no external wounds. Two bodies were missing their eyes. One of those two also had its tongue and part of the lips removed, all of which what? was said to have occurred post-mortem. Yes. Oh, see, I, the, the tongue, I heard that it was basically ripped out at the root and that the way that the blood pooled in the stomach said that it was not post-mortem. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's much more terrifying. I take yes. that back. 
I have done a deep dive in the There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Because it's fucking crazy. It is very fucking crazy. So going on that, only the hikers' footprints were visible and they showed no signs of a struggle or any other people around. One of the bodies also showed high levels of radiation. Mm Mm-hmm. Only one of the bodies, though. Mm -hmm. The verdict of the original investigation was that the group members had died of a, quote-unquote, compelling natural force, all they said about it. Which they expect you to to piece together that it's an avalanche. But everything of the the scene, I was going to say crime scene. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but is it a crime? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, Of the scene refutes that it was an avalanche. Theories surrounding the incident include... Of course, as you just mentioned, an avalanche, catabiotic wind, which is a drainage wind that carries high density air from higher elevation down slope, which can get up to like hurricane speed, so it's actually very powerful. Uh, military tests and possible infrasound induced panic. Popularized by Donnie Ecker's book Dead Mountain, the hypothesis is that wind passing over the mountain created a Carmen vortex street, producing infrasound capable of inducing a panic attack. He claims that because of their panic, the hikers were compelled to leave the tent and flee down the slope. Once they were further down the hill, they were out of the infrasound's path and were able to regain their composure. But in the darkness, they were unable to find their way back to the shelter. He goes on to explain that those other traumatic injuries were a result of them stumbling over the ledge of a ravine and landing on the rocks at the bottom when they were in the dark and they couldn't find their way. I will say one more theory. Tell me, yes. Of the Dyatlov Pass. Because these group of very experienced hikers, they all decided to go on this hike. However, one person got sick and didn't didn't go. And he stayed behind. And they had a journal where they made like a little newsletter about their hike. And the last entry says... Now we know that snowmen are real. <gasps> what? That's super creepy. And it could be very cute, or it could be we found a fucking yeti or an abominable snowman or something. So but there were no tracks or anything, right? It was just their footprints. No, and there was no tracks. I don't believe there was any tracks. But they found cameras that didn't belong to <gasps> them on their person. And this is what what That's I don't weird. remember what the time period is of fifty nine. Fifty nine. So this isn't like a, an iPhone. A camera in nineteen fifty nine is a huge fucking thing. Yes. Everyone a- knows all of the cameras that are there because you can't hide it so there's a camera that's found there that's not supposed to be there there's also a theory that it was Russia doing tests military tests military testing which is why there's radiation you know and then there's also this phenomenon known as paradoxical undressing undressing yes when you have hypothermia your body gets really really hot so you think you're hot and you take your clothes off even though you're literally in like 20 below so, but there's a lot of things like people being burned, people wearing different clothing, people being like going up trees that they think that maybe they were chased by something up a tree. I think maybe at it's some point weird. we yeah. will cover this because it's, but we're not going to do it now just because so many, so many people have, have covered it. it, but it, it is a crazy, crazy, crazy story. Yes. And the eyes missing and the tongue being yes. dead at the root and just Which, the way the blood pulled that they're like, this person was still alive when this happened. Yeah. There's my there's my taking a tough shot yeah. <laughs> because I'm just really horrified. Uh, it's fascinating to me and it's something I wanted to discuss, but I didn't want to do it as the story. Sure. So I thought this was a good way to like no, bring is... it up and tie it in where we could kind of discuss it. And 
infrasound does vibrate your eyeballs, but to vibrate them to the point that they would Just like, like pop, out. pop out, I don't think is possible. Like yeah. I have not seen any research to indicate that that's possible. Yeah. That's still questionable. Like even if the infrasound thing is valid, I feel like it still only explains a Part certain portion. You're not going to get radiation from infrasound. And the right. Russian government was super sketch about how they handled yeah. this whole investigation. And supposedly there were flying objects that were viewed mm -hmm. during that time mm -hmm. and from other places that were not Russia, I believe. They also mm -hmm. on the same date saw from, I don't remember how far away. Some distance. Some distance. <laughs> uh, if you're wondering if sound can kill you, the short answer is yes. The general consensus is the loud enough sound could cause an air embolism in your lungs, which then travels to your heart and kills you. Holy fuck. Alternatively, your lungs might simply burst from the increased air pressure. High intensity ultrasonic sound can cause physical damage, but I could find no concrete examples of anyone who had actually been killed via sound. Some final thoughts and things I wanted to discuss because I thought it was very interesting. So one of the other things that produces infrasound is church organs, mm. which when you think about it, yeah. you go to church, you hear these organs, you then start to feel this sense of like dread and anxiety and that something is wrong, right? This is your and experience then, at church? I know! No. <laughs> It is a very intense. A church organ is a very intense sound. Absolutely. I didn't really, even when I got dragged to church, which I occasionally did, I... It, there's a very foreboding... I don't think it was really an organ church. ...thing about it. Yes. Yeah. I feel like they use that and they twist that into like your guilt and make you Fuck. almost like emotionally manipulate you. I don't think they're really consciously doing it. I don't think they realize that the infrasound is doing this to you, but it has that effect. I think that might be why especially people like back in the day yeah. would be like drawn to that, even though it gives you a terrible feeling. Cause think about it. Then when you leave and go away from the organ and the infrasound, now you feel better. You feel relaxed. I'm assuming you feel like cleansed. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, Oh, I felt so shitty when I was in the church. I felt so much dread and anxiety. And now I left and the light of God is within me. And I feel just so light. And I'm not trying to say that no. infrasound is responsible for people's <laughs> faith. I'm not coming for anybody like that. I just find it so fascinating. I mean, definitely in my experience of going to churches that had older organs, as opposed to newer organs, the older organs are very intense, very foreboding, very overwhelming. Yeah. Whereas the newer organs are like, yeah, you know, let's put it's a little fun. ditty. Yeah. Um, I can't think of what the stupid, like, it's like the hockey and the baseball song is. It's the only fun song in the organ, as far as I know. I was like, what are you talking about? I know, chopsticks? I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know. I was like, it probably has a name. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yay. It's probably called Charge now. <laughs> Maybe. I have no idea. I don't, I don't watch sports, but um, that's an interesting theory. I hadn't thought of it. I, and this is me. This is me literally just like my thoughts. I did not read the church organ makes you feel dread and therefore then you feel like a cleansing after you get out of church. And this is like responsible for why people think like so it's a cathartic experience to go to church. Reference this podcast when you tell your parents yeah. you don't want to go to church on Easter Sunday. There you go. I mean, I'm going to support that. She has a degree in chemistry, guys. <laughs> He knows what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> I'm gonna get in so much trouble. <laughs> hey man, I mean, it's an interesting theory. 
As we established, because I had to cut an anecdote from last episode because I got literally all of the facts of it <laughs> wrong. Well, you had them right. You just had them reversed. <sighs> I'm so reversed. It's fine. I can't be trusted with information. And you'll never know what it is. And you'll never know. How about that? Mysteries. Secrets. I do want to bring this back, though, to our discussion about vibes. Mm, yeah. Because we said, trust your gut. Yeah. Get the fuck out of there. And I think that still stands. For sure. Even if it's not a ghost. It's still bad for you. It's, it's like, get out. Yes. It, you're st you're experiencing that because you're being hit with an infrasound wave. Like, get the fuck out of there. Get away from the wave. You'll feel better. Yeah. It will go away. So just get the fuck out. It's basically, in my opinion, like, quantifiable vibes. You can't really explain, like, getting vibes to somebody and trusting that. But, again, a lot of natural disasters, dangerous animals, all of that produces infrasound to ward you away from it. Yeah. It's telling you to get the fuck away from those things. You feel dread and anxiety because you're supposed to be literally fleeing the scene. Science, bitch. Science. Vibes are real. Yeah. We also discussed that hauntings happen a lot of the time near water. Yeah. Which the waves of the surf can do this and produce infrasonic waves also falls under this. And I was wondering if this is why certain places, and I said places, but I really mean like geographical locations yeah. that seem creepy or ominous. I couldn't think of enough examples for my liking, but suicide forest maybe? Sure, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I couldn't find anything. I looked, genuinely looked to see if there was any sort of tie to infrasound, but I don't know. Is there something in the forest that's, yeah. it's by Mount Fuji, which is a volcano. It's an, on an island. Japan surrounded by water. I mean, so, that makes sense. That's like the Oracle at Delphi back in, in the day. Ancient, you would go, yeah. yeah, you would go. Ancient Greece. I know this is the Oracle. There are recent Oracle? No, no, no. Yeah, okay. No, so ancient what? Greece. So you would go to the Oracle to be like, ask any questions about your life or whatever. And this oracle would have visions yes. and then, you know, give her prophecy. And I read, this could be completely wrong because I only read it once, but I read that years later they did testing of the soil and just the area. And apparently there's these gases that were being released that basically induced hallucinations. Oh, fuck. Which is why this oracle would yes, have all, all of these. Yes, all these crazy visions. Yeah. <gasps> I love that. So it, it could be like a similar thing how you're saying with the suicide forest. Yeah. But that there's something physically, naturally happening, inducing that. Yes. Mm. That maybe we just haven't recorded or realized there's a correlation yeah. between those things. Because Again, that's totally me yeah. just theorizing and wondering about these Realistically, things. we don't know shit about fuck. No. We're um, just dumb skeletons and <laughs> meat costumes just trying to get through it. <laughs> I am just a walking, talking meat bag and I don't know anything. Basically. There's audio of the ghost frequency that you can apparently just listen to on YouTube. I didn't try it out, only because I was really worried it was going to be somebody's prank oh, where they put yeah. a really scary noise like, a couple out. seconds into it, and then you would be like, I don't hear anything, and then 30 seconds later you'd hear, ah, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. no. I'm naturally not trusting. Like My father instilled in me that you really shouldn't trust anybody and that people will take advantage of you, so don't be gullible. Like, I mean, it out. it's a good, good lesson. I do appreciate that. I'm not saying this explains every person's ghostly experience, but since I have been outed as a woman of science, as I said earlier, uh, here was my spooky science story. So that I enjoy paranormal stories. I enjoy my UFO stories. I love to get chills from a good ghost story. I'm not saying I believe all of them, and I'm not saying I don't. I'm a skeptic first, 
but I still enjoy a good story. Healthy amount of skepticism is a good way to go. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I was like, I made everybody learn today instead of hearing a spooky story. No, it was still spooky. Speak. I, I tried. I tried to start with the uh, the ghosty one. No, and we touch and you touch on the Dyatlov Pass. Yes, that's spooky as fuck. We'll do that eventually. We just, will do that. Just not. Yeah. I didn't realize the tongue thing. The tongue thing and I the snowman like thing is the snowman one. I had not heard before. I yeah. feel like that's what my understanding was originally. But then when I was reading about it yesterday, I did not come across the blood filling the stomach and it being a. I recently, a couple months ago, was like, you know what? I haven't revisited. It's always fun. I love it. <laughs> so I did a deep dive into all. Of that. I'm that person. My if favorite find... kind of person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> type of person that I have a bit of an obsessive personality. I just heard five guffaws at my use of the word bit. I have a lot of <laughs> obsessive personality. And whenever I, I'll get a little nugget of information, I'll be like, I need to find out everything I can about this. Yes. And then sometimes I will do that. But another way that that will manifest is me not recalling every detail of a thing I was obsessed with and then revisiting Having it. back. So I relatively recently revisited the uh, Dyatlov Pass and I recall that one of the things is they're like, maybe an animal that lives like a mountain lion or something that lives in that yeah. area came and just, because animals will go for fleshy parts first. But if that is the case, that person was still alive because of how the pulling of blood was in their stomach. Oh, Which so can you fucking imagine? Ugh, no, oh no, no. Also, hearing you pronounce it, I feel like I mispronounced it. It's okay. How, say it one more time for me. Diatlov. Diatlov. Yeah. I was saying how Johnny said it. Terrible. I she think everyone it. pronounces it that way, but I think the correct way is Diatlov. I think you're right because the T is before the L. Yeah. Diatlov. Okay. Yeah. I'm not Russian. I mean, I, uh, ugh, I'm not enough for that <laughs> so fucking story I could last be completely week. I, ugh. You were a trooper with that story last week. Halfway through it, I was like, why? Did I do this to my <laughs> I don't know if anybody listened and they could tell that I was giving up halfway through. No. I apologize. I, I felt that way time. with the Adolfo Constanzo on a fucking That Spanish. one was so good though. And you, I feel like you kept your energy up a lot during that one. I mean, there was a lot happening. It was crazy. I feel like even my voice got super quiet in the other one even. I was, ugh. You're talking about someone who yeah. children. So, I get it. The, it's hard to keep your pep, the pep in your step. Hey, we're dolls, Monique. No. <laughs> we're talking about that. No. Yeah. It's a little dark. Speaking of dark, you got some uh, I got, you got, I got some a little, true... A little thump, thump. You got some true crime for me over there? Thump, thump. All right. Lay it on me, girl. I'm going to be covering the murder of Ken Rex McElroy. Sources, BuzzFeed, Patch.com, Medium.com, Talk Murder With Me, and No One Saw a Thing which is a series on Sundance. Ken Rex McElroy was born on June 1st, 1934 in Overland Park, Kansas to two poor migrant tenant farmers, Tony and Mabel McElroy. Ken was the 15th oh. of 16 children. No, that's yep. my literal nightmare. Cheaper by the Dozen is not a fun movie. It's terrifying. It's yeah. a horror movie. Yes. <sighs> yes. Okay. The family moved between Kansas and the Ozarks before settling outside of the small town of Skidmore, Missouri. He dropped out of high school at age 15 when he was in the eighth grade. 
and he was believed to be largely illiterate, which if you're 15 and in the eighth grade, yeah, you're probably not crushing it at school. Yeah, and if you want to drop out, it's probably because you aren't doing well. You're not nailing it. But by 13, he was already a familiar character to the cops around Nodaway County. His lifelong career as a criminal started with petty offenses, including raccoon hunting, cattle rustling, which just means stealing. Found that out, (laughs) the more you know. But over the next two decades, McElroy was suspected of theft of grain, gasoline, alcohol, antiques, and livestock, arson, assault, child molestation, and statutory rape, amassing a rap sheet that included 21 felony charges being brought against him. I say that McElroy was suspected of committing these crimes because he was never convicted. They didn't get him on anything? Wait. (gasps) No. Because the witnesses were terrified of him. And at 6'2 and 270 pounds, he had no trouble bullying the 437 residents of Skidmore. Jesus. Wait, he's still 15 at the time and he's 6'2 whatever? Yeah. Like, he's huge. He's a bully. Intimidating, yeah. Intimidating as Mm. fuck. McElroy was known to have intimidated witnesses, mainly by parking outside their homes and stalking them. He was known to pay local kids to act as informants for him, telling him who was where in the town and at what time. If a case did make it to trial, it was not uncommon for a juror to open their mailbox to find a rattlesnake in there. Holy fuck. Mm -hmm. He is not fucking playing. Nope. McElroy also had had a hotshot lawyer from Kansas City named Gene McFadden, who was rumored to be a lawyer for the mob. People believed this because it didn't matter what McElroy had been charged with, Gene could get him off every time. Ugh, I fucking hate that. Yep. Yeah, it's the biggest bullshit ever. So it's also important to note that as a young adult, McElroy had been seriously injured in an accident while working on a construction site when a heavy steel beam dropped on him. The accident left him with severe chronic pain and possible brain damage something that the townspeople believe to have contributed to his violent behavior and erratic mood swings later on in life. Uh, Yes, a hundred fucking percent it did. Absolutely. And they actually did a study that 25% of well-known serial killers all had Had a a, childhood brain brain injury injury in their formative years because the brain isn't done forming until you're 25. Yes. So, and it's a thing that keeps coming up. Like, you, you know, it's not just the McDonald triad of, pyromania bedwetting and cruelty to animals the fourth one that's that keeps coming up is they have a brain injury they have a severe head injury that happens so this guy had a fucking steel beam fall on him yeah that's severe as fuck suspicious i would just like to say recommended on a first date maybe that's a fun question like maybe (laughs) just throw it out there like see so i'm a scorpio (laughs) who's my favorite color have you ever had a severe traumatic brain injury injury? like maybe in your formative years i don't know just like you know i like to ask people questions like what's up is that the worst thing i mean it's not it's it's actually smart as fuck actually (laughs) i think if you could slip it in casually in the conversation you know keep it cash don't be awkward like me yeah no (laughs) you can you can be do this on the low that they don't even know what's happening so but be safe and then always have a friend to be able to call and be like, get me the fuck out of here if you're in a bad situation. Safety first. Always. McElroy was known to always be heavily armed and unafraid to shoot at anyone, including the police. Oh. 
A local farmer was quoted as saying, quote, I think that Ken simply wanted to be big and important and have people afraid of him when he walked down the street. And he got that. They were, end quote. So because of this, livestock owners looked the other way when a few head of cattle or hogs vanished in the night or gas barrels were noticeably emptier. The mere mention of his name was enough to cause fear. When people saw him on the street, parents steered their children, especially their daughters, away from McElroy, a notorious womanizer who favored girls aged 13 to 14. Ew, that's so specific. Mm -hmm. Why is that range so fucking small? He was married three times and fathered 10 children. So wait, all of this went down in the 60s to the 80s-ish, 50s, 80s. It's a different time, and the articles keep referring to him as a womanizer, but realistically, he's a a fucking pedophile and a child rapist. So I'm just- not a womanizer. No, he's he's a pedophile and a child rapist. Let's not sugarcoat this, okay? Yes. Call him fucking spade a spade. Exactly. So the next couple things I'm gonna tell you about I really only found the extent of the information from one source. I'm going to present the information as was presented in the article, but know that you can't be an adult and have a consensual relationship with a 13-year-old girl. I'm aware of that. I'm just going to present this how I found it. So let's get into his wives. His first wife, Sharon, was 15 when they met, and McElroy was at least 20. They had an incredibly abusive relationship as McElroy would regularly beat Sharon and was constantly unfaithful to her. And by unfaithful, he was probably just raping. Uh, like it's that, that's so it's that yeah. level. It's not like, oh. I have my, I'm having an affair with another grown adult. An adult, no, person. he's yeah. like raping other children. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that should even be like called infidelity. Exactly. That's, yeah. It's, and I that's why I gave that preface because like, this is how it's being presented. This is in 1981 that these things are being written. And I know it's a completely different time and a different lens, Yeah. but this is just rape and abuse and pedophilia. And these are not relationships because you can't have a, a consensual relationship with a child. And they would even say like girlfriends and women and a 13 year old is not a woman. It's a child. So he was constantly unfaithful to her. They eventually had two children, but by the time that their second child was born, McElroy found himself another girlfriend, Sally, who was only 13. And again, she can't consent to this being, She's to being his girlfriend. Going because to he's middle 20. school. No, I'm sorry. When Sally was 13, McElroy was 27. Ugh. This is not a consensual relationship. This is right. McElroy moved Sally into the family farm with Sharon <gasps> and their two children. No, that's so fucked up. Wait, it's going to get so much worse. <laughs> oh, so I'm sorry. Worse. Trigger warning for all of this. Fuck, I'm sorry. This is, yeah, it's really bad. If the fucking the child molestation and raping was not. Yeah, it was not an indicator. Yeah. Yeah. So Sally ended up having three children with McElroy and Sharon had another fucking two. What? So Sharon has four kids. So she had two kids. Sally came into the picture, had three kids, and Sharon is two more. So had now two he more. basically has like his little harem of formerly underage. I don't know what age they are now, but yeah, wives, so, quote unquote. Obviously, it wasn't long before McElroy got bored of Sharon, Sally, and their seven children. So he found you fucking guessed it, <laughs> another underage girl, Alice Wood who ended up being McElroy's second wife. Oh, was he not married to the second girl? Is that... Well, there's conflicting information about it. Okay. And also the term wife here across the board is very suspect because there was lots of overlap. So 
we don't know what official, they can't be we like don't official, know if these are yeah. official or or the the legalities of them are very much in question because I'm assuming polygamy is not legal a thing in Skidmore. Yeah, I don't believe so. Okay. So, but for shits, let's say that Alice Wood is his second wife. He moved out of his family home with Sharon and Sally to be with Alice, but shocker, he was just as volatile in his relationship with Alice as he had been with Sharon and Sally. He was physically and verbally abusive to Alice, and when she gave birth to their son, Alice moved out to live with her mother and stepfather in the next town over. Obviously, this enraged McElroy that Alice left with his son. So McElroy called the home and began threatening Alice and her family. He told them that he was coming to pick up his son, and if anyone tried to stop him, he would kill them. Alice's stepfather basically told McElroy to go fuck himself, so McElroy did what any sane person would do and drove to Alice's parents' house and shot her stepfather (gasps) in the leg through the living room window. I was like, am I impressed? Like, was that a hell of a shot or what? It just... Now, also, you have seven other fucking kids that you apparently don't give a shit about and you're not spending time with. Why are you worried about this one... Yeah, it's obviously like, all control. ...that goes time with your fucking two other wives and yeah. your seven kids. McElroy was arrested on assault charges, but Alice's stepfather would need to testify. In order to stop him from doing so, McElroy carried on with his usual scare tactics, stalking, intimidation. McElroy told him that he would kill his entire family if he testified. After an altercation at the bar in which McElroy threatened him with a shotgun, Alice's stepfather dropped the assault charges and Alice moved back into the McElroy family home with their son. No. McElroy met his last wife, Trina McLeod, when she was 12 years old and in the eighth grade and he was 35. He raped her repeatedly. So this is where I got information that was not from 1981 and just told it like it was. He raped her repeatedly. And when she was 14, she became pregnant and dropped out of school and went to live with McElroy and Alice. McElroy divorced Alice and married Trina in order to escape statutory rape charges to which Trina was the only witness. What? The only reason he married her was so she couldn't testify against him. Oh, because they can't force you to testify yep. against your spouse. Yeah. <gasps> That's so conniving. Mm-hmm. Like, was this guy really operating at this level? Yeah. I guess so. 16 days after Trina gave birth, she and Alice fled to Trina's parents' house. McElroy tracked them down and brought them back. He then returned to Trina's parents' home when they were away and burned down the house and shot the family dog. <gasps> yeah. Unforgivable. It's, How fucking dare you? It's so bad. Like, it just keeps getting worse. It's so bad. You know, I, I can't handle when the dog dies. It's so bad. So this led to McElroy being indicted in June of 1973 for arson and assault and statutory rape. He was arrested, then released on $2,500 bail. Trina and her baby, meanwhile, were put into foster care because she's 14 fucking oh my years God. old. She's a fucking child. That's ridiculous. After getting bail... McElroy located where Trina and the baby were located and engaged in his usual MO of stalking and intimidation. He would park in front of the home of the foster parents and tell them that he would abduct their biological daughter and then, quote, exchange her for Trina. He reinforced this threat by telling the parents, the foster parents, that he knew where their daughter went to school and what bus route she took home. Fucking so creepy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, additional charges were filed against McElroy, and as per usual, he fucking got away with it. 
On July 27, 1976, McElroy shot local farmer Romaine Henry in the stomach twice when Henry tried to chase McElroy off of Henry's own property. Because one, it's private fucking property, and two, McElroy was out firing weapons on Henry's fucking property. But thankfully, Henry survived and McElroy was charged with assault with intent to kill. He denied that he was on the property or fired shots and McElroy had two fellow raccoon hunters testify that he was with them during the time that Henry was shot and again, he ended up being acquitted. How infuriating to be that guy, be like, I fucking saw you, mm -hmm. you literally shot me. Mm -hmm. I watched you shoot me, you were there. Yeah. Like you're fucking there. And Henry stated that during the case, McElroy parked outside his residence at least a hundred times in an attempt to intimidate him. Oh my God. Can you imagine? No, I, this, is, this is like my worst this is my nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. On April 25th, 1980, McElroy's eight-year-old daughter, Tanya, was in a general store owned by Ernest Bo Bowen Camp when the store clerk, Evelyn Sumi, asked Tanya to return a piece of penny candy she hadn't paid for. The child, of course, denied having stolen the candy and went home and told her mother, Trina, what had happened. When Trina told McElroy, he was fucking furious and began to stalk the Bowen Camp family. This reached an apex on July 8th, 1980, when McElroy drove into the alley behind the Bowen Camp general store. Once there, he threatened Bowen Camp and shot him in the neck at close range with a shotgun. Holy, with a shotgun? With Holy a fuck. fucking shotgun. By Did he survived. Oh my god, I can't god. believe that. I can't Bo believe that. Bo Bowenkamp fucking survived. Good for you, Bo. Fuck. And McElroy was arrested and charged with attempted murder. The preliminary trial was set for August 18th, 1980, and true to form, McElroy attempted to intimidate the Bowenkamps and their supporters to keep them from testifying. In the months before McElroy went to trial, the Bowen Camps and Sumi went to bed scared, woke up frightened, and lived in terror with every breath. They slept in shifts with some friends or family members keeping an eye on their street. Bowen Camp's wife said, quote, you can't know how intimidating it was after that, before his trial. He'd drive up to our house in his pickup truck at night and just sit there. Sometimes he would fire his gun. It was frightening, end quote. After McElroy had fired a gun outside of the store clerk, Evelyn Sumi's house, Evelyn appealed to Dave Dunbar, the town marshal for help with McElroy. Dunbar confronted McElroy, who responded by pulling a gun on him, and Dunbar resigned after that. What? Mm -hmm. This guy is just running this fucking town. Yeah. Literally the marshal's like, I'm fucking out and I'm not dealing with you. That's crazy. Also on the on the sitting in front of the people's houses, I'm assuming because this is Kansas, these are pretty rural houses and they're probably out in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. just some guy sitting on your property looking at you looking all night. at you all night when you don't really have And sometimes farming guns in the air to, you. to be like <gasps> No. Yeah. Like I grew up in the middle of nowhere and mm -mm. I, you couldn't even see our neighbors. That's how like, remote that. we were. So I can't even imagine like Fuck feeling that. threatened by somebody and not having anywhere to run, anyone to call. The police are afraid of him. No. Yeah. Fuck. Mm -mm. Fuck that. Through legal maneuvers, McElroy was able to delay his trial for five months with a new court date set for June 25th, 1981. During this time, the acting prosecuting attorney resigned, and it is believed that McElroy had bullied the previous prosecutor to leave. That tracks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
a young new prosecutor, David Baird, who was only three years out of law school, was hired to fill the position. Even though Baird had minimal experience, he was able to accomplish what no other lawyer had in all of McElroy's criminal history. He was able to convict Ken McElroy of a crime. Fucking finally. Finally. Wait. <gasps> Don't get it. excited. Damn it. I always get excited. McElroy was convicted of second degree assault. Baird went with the lesser charge of knowingly cause serious physical injury instead of attempt to kill to ensure that he could secure conviction. However, because he was convicted on a lesser charge, McElroy was only sentenced to a maximum of two years and the judge freed him on a $40,000 bail pending an appeal, meaning that he was free to taunt his victims with what had become painfully clear. He would never go to jail. About his conviction, McElroy said, the jury convicted me and they gave me two years, but I'll tell you what, I'll never go to jail. I'll appeal and get off. I've been fighting the law since I was 13 and I'm damn near 50. I've been arrested for over 53 felonies and this is the first one I ever lost." End quote. Go what? fuck yourself. A piece of shit. Yep. Also the fucking hubris. Like, exactly. It's like you'll never convict me. Mm -hmm. Also like knowing exactly how many you've been convicted yeah. of that you're like, yeah. It's a badge of honor for Ugh. this piece of shit. Shortly after he was released on bail, McElroy was spotted at the local watering bowl, D&G Tavern, with a rifle and a fucking bayonet. Because, it's sure, the why the fuck not? Why the fuck, where the fuck did you get a bayonet? He had one, so. That just seems like a real pain in the ass to carry to a bar. That, that also seems like something a hipster. Well, he's doing it for a reason, because so. he went to the bar, he went to D&G Tavern with a rifle and a bayonet, making public graphic threats to murder Bo Bowenkamp. Who he already tried to kill. Yes. yes. Because his daughter stole penny candy. In case we're forgetting what this I is. I did. All I actually did about. kind of fucking forget. Yeah. Because there's so much crazy yes. shit. Yes. God. And not only that, they just told her to put it back. Yeah. And this is this is what has caused They didn't us. process her for fucking shoplifting. It's a child. Right. Go to the store and just buy her the candy and the whole problem is solved. You don't have to ruin this fucking man's life. This exactly. This shopkeep. Exactly. So as a result of him just rolling into a fucking bar and making threats with a fucking bayonet, he was again arrested and quickly released with the only consequence being the postponement of his court hearing to July 20th, 1981 for violating his bail provisions for being armed. On the morning of July 10th, 1981, there was a meeting at the town's Legion Hall, which was just down the street from D&G Tavern. As many as 60 Skidmore residents attended, including both the mayor and the sheriff. And the entire purpose of this meeting was to discuss what could legally be done to prevent McElroy from harming anyone else. The county sheriff, Dan Estes, suggested forming a neighborhood fucking watch. Go fuck yourself. Are I'm, you serious? Yeah, I'm not one to support vigilante justice, but I really feel like there could, there were like five guys who could have got together and just been like, we need to take care of this problem, Regardless. right? Like, we can, sorry, we're not getting the law involved. Hush, hush. Let's just make sure this literally never happens again, that he can't hurt anyone else. Mm -hmm. So the Neighborhood Watch. So Neighborhood Watch. We can't sure. do our job, so why don't you guys fucking do it? It's basically Amazing. what he's saying. Great. Go fuck yourself. One of the townspeople in attendance said, quote, we simply felt that the system had failed us. We all knew what McElroy was like, and there he was again and again. It seemed like nobody could stop him, end quote. Word got out to those in the meeting that McElroy and Trina were headed to the D&G Tavern that was right across the street to grab drinks. 
The meeting adjourned, and the sheriff inexplicably just immediately fucked off out of town. Just like peace out. He just peaced right out. Don't know why, but that's what he fucking did. Sketchy. And the crowd of 60 people made their way over to the D&G Tavern. After they finished their drinks, Trina McElroy went outside and got into the truck, with Trina sitting in the passenger seat. McElroy lit a cigarette and turned on the engine. Trina claims to have turned over her shoulder and seen someone pull a rifle from the back of the truck and take aim at McElroy. It was at that moment that shots began to ring out, shattering the truck's windows and striking an unsuspecting McElroy in the back of the head. Trina dove from her side of the vehicle onto the street to take cover from the gunfire. She was picked up by a local man named Jack Clement and walked to the bank for safety. Aww. After decades of terrorizing the inhabitants of Skidmore, Missouri, Ken Rex McElroy was shot dead in his car in broad daylight. He was 47. Also, this was in front of 60 witnesses. Yeah. Notably, who didn't give a fuck, who were happy to see it done, I'm sure. Notably, none of the witnesses called an ambulance. Yeah, weird. It's strange that mm. the people you terrorized for fucking decades, like, didn't give a shit about you and mm-hmm. wanted to see you dead. Once McElroy had been killed, the rest of the town folk just went about their day. Like, as usual. get drinks? Like, this is great, yeah. At some point in the day, Bo Bowenkamp's daughter, Cheryl, went out to the car to put a sheet over McElroy's head because his dead body was still fucking out there. No one had called <laughs> anybody and just were, like, not even perplexed. or They were just, like... I think this is kind of bad for business. We'll just, like, throw a sheet over him. Yeah. Like, I would call the morgue, at least. No, be, like, they there's literally a were like, we are not going to be bothered with this piece of shit <laughs> I gotta get again. It. Yeah, after he'd been killed, everyone was just was acting. Yeah. They were just acting like they just hadn't seen a man's gun down in the street. Cheryl covered his head, and as she was getting ready to go back into her father's store across the way, somebody stopped, opened the door of the store, and said, quote, It's over. You can sleep tonight. Now just stand behind us. End quote. <gasps> Even though Ken McElroy was killed in broad daylight in front of as many as 60 witnesses, no one has ever come forward to say who pulled the trigger. Cheryl witnessed the shooting from her family store and said this on the silence that followed the murder. Quote, Once the shroud of silence fell, there was going to be no one talking. They could have pushed and dug, pushed and dug, and gotten nothing. We were so bitter and so angry at the law letting us down that it came to somebody taking matters in their own hand. No one has any idea what a nightmare we live. End quote. Investigators found shell casings from two weapons, a 22 caliber Magnum rifle and an 8mm Mauser, which is a German World War I yeah. era long range rifle at the scene. But neither of the guns were ever recovered. I feel like those would be fairly easy to track in that it's a pretty small town, right? It's like 400 and something people. 437 people. Yeah. Especially like that's a pretty rare gun to have in Mm -hmm. Kansas. Mm -hmm. And while there were bullet casings from two different guns found on the scene, the only suspect that Trina ever identified was Del Clement, who was part owner of the D&G Tavern. Clement denied the charges and seeing as no other witnesses came forward, The DA and the coroner's jury did not order an arrest warrant or press any charges. Up until his death in 2009, Clement continued to deny his role in the killing. After the local major case squad investigated, the FBI also held their own investigation. Ultimately, three grand juries heard evidence, but no one was ever indicted for the murder of Ken McElroy. Trina filed a $6 million wrongful death suit against the town of Skidmore, Nodaway County, Sheriff Danny Estes, Mayor Steve Peters, 
and Dale Clement on July 9th, 1984. This bitch. This fucking bitch. Also, like, did she even really like him? Like, wasn't she fucking... So here's... The... Trying to kind of get away from him, and then he dragged her back, and, like, now so she's so beat thing, up without his which, death? Which you, you hear a lot in people who suffer domestic abuse. Oh, yeah. She, for instance, when people asked her about the fact that he fucking burned down her parents' fucking house... Yeah, how do you justify that? She was like, oh, it was faulty wiring, and her and Alice went out of their way to really belittle the abuse. And they even said that he treated them well, and it's just a thing that happens psychologically with... when like self-preservation. Self-preservation, right? and when you are a victim of domestic abuse like that, you tend to downplay the abuse. Yeah. So that's where she is. And you know, and here's the thing: maybe she's just like seeing this as her ticket. Her, t- yeah. Like I've been fucked over so much, including by this guy. Like I might as well get something. Get out some of money. It. Yeah. The case was ultimately settled for seventeen thousand six hundred dollars, which is a far cry from six million. Yeah. Trina ended up leaving town and remarrying. She passed away in 2012 on her 55th birthday. After McElroy's death, the entire town as a whole saw a significant decrease in the amount of cattle and pig thefts in the county, even in just the subsequent month. That's how much he was fucking stealing from everyone, that the entire county was like... Oh, I have like way more pigs and stuff than I used to cattle. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Fifth generation Skidmore resident Kirby Gosley said... Quote, when you're put in a situation that you're not used to being in, you don't know what you're going to do. Countless times the law enforcement had been called for some help. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So it comes to a point where the people feel, well, it's you or it's me. End quote. To this day, the murder of Ken Rex McElroy remains unsolved. I'm okay with that. Yeah. What I find interesting is the FBI was willing to come and investigate yeah. this man being murdered, but him holding this town hostage and getting off for all of these other crimes and ruining people's lives, like, yeah, it's fine. Well, it's not this story this put Skidmore on the map. It was on 60 Minutes, it was on Larry King, it was fucking everywhere. And nobody had heard of it before that, I'm sure. No, absolutely Why not. was the FBI called? Because I it didn't involve crossing state lines or anything, did it? No, I just think that they're like, the county's not doing their job. You need to come in and call the feds. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I would like to take a second to dedicate this story to my friend Donna. Donna is one of the loveliest, kindest people I've ever met. However, she has this weird quirk where she's secretly plotting everyone's death all of the time. I kind of love that and might need to meet Donna. That sounds amazing. And we found this out because Donna and I travel together a lot. And I was mentioning that I had read an article titled something like the creepiest thing about your Zodiac that you don't know about. And I'm a Scorpio and I read mine. So then it was that thing in the car ride of like, ooh, do mine, do mine. Yes. Donna's a Capricorn. And it said, you're secretly planning everyone's death. And she was like, I don't think so. And I agree. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't see that either. And then fast forward 10 minutes into our conversation. And I was talking about someone I didn't particularly care for. Who's kind of wreaked a lot of havoc in my family. Who was going to be having a surgery. And then Donna, without skipping a beat, goes, maybe she'll die on the table. <laughs> and then we're like, oh my God, you totally do this. So Donna has now completely embraced this <laughs> characteristic about that. herself. 
I fucking love that. And I feel that no one would appreciate the story of vigilante justice and some total piece of shit getting his just desserts like Donna. So, hey girl, this one's for you. That is amazing. <laughs> that was really great. Thank I you. That. Now yes. you're making me wonder what my weird... Uh... I can... I'll pull that shit up. Here's the thing. I'm not a big astrology person. I don't really believe in that. I, I know you do. And I, had, I to, I'm totally fine with nobody believing it also. I also in high school went through a phase where I found it super interesting and read a bunch of, and we had the fucking book and me and the other girls would do our things and read the horoscopes and we loved all of that shit. So even if I don't believe it, I do enjoy it regardless. Uh, that being said, I feel like because of what my sign is, is one of the reasons why I'm not super into Because you're a cancer. Because I'm a cancer. So it's cool and like flirty when you're like, I'm a Scorpio. It's like, yeah, like, it's I'm not, like it's not, it's not cool and flirty when I'm like, I'm a cancer. No. I mean, cancer's the worst one. We're cancer, the crab, and our sign is literally fucking looks like 69. It looks like a fucking <laughs> sideways 69. So great. Like, thanks. All right, Cancers, this one's going out to you. This is the creepiest thing about you, according to your zodiac sign. I'm like so excited right now. Like irrationally excited. Cancer is obsessive in relationships. <laughs> Some people love to be adored by their partner all of the time. I mean, 24 seven. These people should date a Cancer. Nurturing Cancer can help but smother their partner with constant love, attention, affection, and praise. Well, what's wrong with that? On the surface, that sounds great. But many people don't like to be smothered in a relationship, especially introverts. Personally, I can't stand clinginess and I need a lot of time away from my partner because in general, most people drive me crazy, even people I love. This is, this is the author writing this. What's more, Cancer's suffocating nature is born out of a disaster-making thinking patterns. Uh, I can see this from you. Quote, because you always imagine the worst. You like to keep your lover on a tight rein and minor niggles. What? I don't know what that means. And minor niggles can quickly become major issues. End quote. Astrology site Astro Masha noted. Quote, you easily get stuck in the past and won't let go of past hurts. So you find the same old issues coming up again and again in your relationship rose, end quote. I so had wished we had brought Johnny in for, for you to read that. He'll, he'll have to listen to it. He will have to listen to it. Um, Johnny is not a big touchy-feely person, and I have known shocking. this. Shocking. Shocking, I know. He, <laughs> he doesn't really like to be touched. He doesn't really like to be hugged. He is very nice in that he puts up with this from me and I really do try to restrain myself because I know he doesn't like it but uh, there is a part of me that just loves to ignore that he doesn't like it and I will literally like lay on top of him and like gnaw on his eyebrow is what I call it with my so, like <laughs> mouth his eyebrow and I drive him fucking insane and literally the whole time I'm doing it is like I know you hate this I know you're hating every minute of it but I'm literally smothering him with my entire <laughs> body while I'm doing this. <laughs> so yeah, that was actually uh, surprisingly, surprisingly accurate. Yeah. You know, I might put up the other ones on the Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, another fucking horror podcast. And for the source, it's a bustle article called The Creepiest Thing About You According to Your Zodiac Sign by Brandy Neal. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put up the, the different zodiacs. I'll put one up uh, every day. I love that. So you can see what's the, the creepiest thing about you. Yeah, I'll smother the fuck out of you. <laughs> like, no hesitation. 
damn it, I hate, I sort of hate when they're right, because yeah. then I'm like, god damn it, all right. I think that's super accurate. Yeah, yeah. So that was actually spot on. Thank you for that, I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. I'll try not to smother you in the future. Oh, no, smother me, I love a smother. <laughs> I love a, oh, see, you can smother me, but right at the top, the second I start feeling some type of way, I get into the Scorpio thing of like, I need to run and hide in my Scorpio cave and disappear for like a Scorpio week. Scorpio cave, that's the cool, my Cancer cave doesn't sound cool. See, you sound <laughs> but cool. But you have the alliteration, the CG. <laughs> I love an alliteration. I so I need to hide in it for like a week and just obsess over every interaction that has happened and everything, every this syllable you have said yeah. and I have said and dissect it and, and your tone and how and you, everything yes. and then and then when I realize like no actually you do very much like this person then I'll come out of my little cave being like hi let's smother so you're gonna be back cool. let's go let's let's bang let's hug let's touch all of the time yes you I know. get that I totally get yeah that. so well here's the thing a cancer is supposed to be the perfect match for a Scorpio is that true yes I have never encountered one that I like romantically because I'm like, you're too emotional. Interesting. And I have a fucking They typically are. And as I mentioned earlier, I used to cry in literally every single yeah. movie and it drove me insane. I hated being thought of as the sensitive and emotional one. Right. And I like would mentally berate myself yeah. to not cry in movies until I eventually grew out of it and got over it. Yeah, I have kind of a Scorpio's only dating role. Okay. Because they just get it. I don't need to explain. I don't need to explain that I disappeared for a week. You understand. You get it too. Scorpio. That's fine. I get it. That's kind of We smart. don't need to like discuss things. Like there's a, a very like intense like telepathy thing. Yeah. Is that good or Scorpio is good together too or no? They, it depends. They can be great or can be terrible. The men that I've had the most significant relationships with in my life were all Scorpios. And November Scorpios at that. Is that worse somehow than a It's different. Scorpio? They're different. Okay. Not that one's better or worse. No, That's, but yeah. I, I don't know. They're de I know that the in Scorpio... I don't know if they were like more temperamental or more... Well, in Scorpio... They're more the, Scorpio. The men and the women are basically reversed in that the men are more emotional and the women are more like, like a hard ass. Yeah. Which is totally true. Oh yeah. 10,000%. I need a bit of emotion. Like I like intense stuff and I like, I, I'm a very emotional person in that I have lots of feelings about things all of the time. Yes. Passionate, I feel like sometimes. Yeah. You are, you're very passionate about Everything. all of the things that you love. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if I told you the story, but if you're an actor and you're not famous, you have to do these things called pay to plays where you basically have to pay for a class with a casting director and it's a class, quote unquote, but basically you only do it so then you can get the contact information and stop them for the rest of time to be like, hey, I'm in this thing, why don't you like hire me for whatever the fuck TV show yeah. or movie. So I did one that was a complete waste of time and money, but the best thing that came out of it was we had an assignment where we had to go to three or four people who were very close to us and ask them to give three descriptors of us and then kind of pick scenes because we don't see ourselves objectively, obviously. And everyone basically said the same things, very passionate, very, but it was my best friend, Christina from back home who said it the most accurately. She said, you have a lot of love, that when you love something, you love it. Whether it's a movie or a person or a restaurant or a dress or researching a thing, you just love it with everything you have. And I was like, that's very accurate. It's so true. Yeah. Especially when you're recommending things to me. Like you exactly. would never recommend something to me that you were just like, it's it fine. was fine. It no. was good. Like, no. If you're recommending it to me, I already know it's awesome. I have literally no follow-up questions. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I I'm trust it. You hold me in such high esteem. Uh, yes, a hundred fucking percent. Of course.
Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Episode four, in the can. Episode four. Fuck yeah. Hell yes. If uh, you like this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me on Instagram at pinupgirlmo. Mine is a play on lobotomy, so it's lobot, period, Amy, A-M-Y, because I am lobot. She's amazing. Uh, we definitely are planning on doing a listener episode soon, so please send us, email us your personal stories, your ghost stories, alien stories, cryptid stories, true crime proximity stories to another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com, but a period instead of the you and fucking. And what can I say? Keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.